Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of The Taking Control of Your Diabetes Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Jeremy Pettis, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and colleague, Dr. Steve Edelman. Now, if you are just tuning in, first of all, welcome. Where have you been? Uh, Steve and I are both endocrinologists. We work at the uh, University of California, San Diego, and we've also been living with type 1 diabetes ourselves since um, we were 15. And today's topic is, you know, kind of called, is there really a diabetic diet? And this is such an important topic because, I don't know, Steve, if you'd agree, this is probably maybe like the number one general question people have when it comes to diabetes of, of you know, what I should be eating. Yeah, and think about this, that, you know, you, you're given all these rules, you got to control your weight, control your blood sugars, and we... We all have to eat. We have our ethnic and personal preferences, and there's all these rules and regs, and something that you you think about during every waking hour, and sometimes I think about it in my dreams. (laughs) Well, and there's just so much, like, diabetes is so unique in this way that affects everything that we do, and then, yeah, we have to think about food, and it forms a very different relationship with, you know, how we think about food. And also, there can become, you know, blame around it, especially if you go to see a provider, um, you know, your A1C is not where it should be, you know, what are you eating, all these kinds of things. Like, why don't you just lose some weight before next visit? Yeah. Those sons of bitches. (laughs) Very insensitive. So, (laughs) you know, if you're out there um, struggling with weight specifically, we've done dedicated podcasts on for type 2 and type 1 specifically on weight. And this is going to be more about how should we be eating kind of healthy. So, Steve, you want to introduce our esteemed guest? Yes, we're really happy to have Adriana Valencia here. She's been uh, a longtime friend and colleague. Her first real profession and continues to be is an ultimate dietitian specializing in with people with diabetes. She happened to be now working with the Insulet Company and working with the Omnipod 5 and the Dash, but she still keeps very abreast of all the latest topics in diabetes and dietary issues. So she has been on our website, in our video vault, um, and now we're honored to have you as our podcast, uh, Adriana. Anything you'd like to say about yourself? Well, thank you for that very nice introduction. This is my first time doing a podcast, so it's something exciting. So thank you all for tuning in. Um, I think that, like Jeremy opened it up, that I feel like sometimes diet and food can be seen as a bad thing. And I feel like when people would come see me in clinic, they would see it as a punishment. Like, oh, I have to go see the dietitian. Oh, I'm not doing a good job on my eating. So Mm -hmm. I think that puts a good kind of starting point on this conversation, kind of gets people thinking. And I think that that's, it's hard to overcome that barrier sometimes for for patients and even for being on the other side of the table as well. You know, for for 25 years, we did face-to-face conferences that you've been to several of them before COVID. And Bill Polonsky and I did a session with providers and patients. We pit them against each other. And I think that people disliked being sent to a dietitian, and if the dietitian was overweight, they'd say, "Oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about." And if the dietitian was slender and you know of normal weight like yourself, they say, "Ah, she can't really feel like us type twos that are overweight." So I had someone say they'd rather go get a filling from a dentist oh, than wow. see the dietitian <laughs> because you know you're gonna you're gonna be you know chastised some way or another. So. Um, it's great to have you, and I should have told you it was that people can't see you. You didn't have to get all dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Steve, it's such an important point. So first of all, you know, about the way of the dietitian. Dietitians can't win. And why is it that us as patients automatically 
don't view this as an opportunity, you know, to learn about diet. It's, you know, kind of what am I doing wrong? So maybe Adriana, tell us when someone kind of walks through the door, what that initial interaction is like, you know, how to gain their trust and, right. and realize that you're working together. Right. That's a, that's a really good question. And really, when I have a patient who comes in, you can kind of tell if somebody was there because they asked to be mm-hmm. there or somebody was there because they were told they had to be there. Mm-hmm. And I would always tell the patient, you know, what did, I know that your provider wanted you to come see me today, but why, why are you here? You came to the visit, which is great. Thank you for coming. What is it that you want to gain from here? You know, what are some changes maybe you want to make? We all can improve things in our diet, even myself or our lifestyle. So what did you want to talk about with me today? So I always put it in the hands of the patient and say, you know, you came, you didn't miss your appointment. You're here. What did you want to talk about with me today? What is something that you're worried about? Something you've changed, something you want to focus on. I let the patient lead. Yeah. And kind of relevant to the, the overall topic here is, you know, cutting the chase. There is no one diabetic diet. You know, I think people think that there is, that everybody with diabetes should eat what X, Y, and Z. So then how would you start to, to customize, I suppose? Like what were some initial questions you would ask people? Yeah. So uh, typically I ask a patient kind of what their goal is, you know, a very common goal for people overall, diabetes or no, is weight loss, mm-hmm. right? So you kind of start asking about people's what what their kind of what their diet typically looks like, including their meals and their snacks. You know, um, you ask about their activity level, and really, what you said, I tell patients, there really is no magic diet when it comes to managing your blood sugars. It really depends on your lifestyle, and I really feel that the best way to manage your eating habit is really just with with moderation. Mm-hmm. Adriana, how confident are you that these patients actually tell you what they eat? Yeah, truthfully? That, that takes some time to establish. Um, really, as a dietitian, I think other dietitians who are listening to this can relate. And you have to build this sense of, if, you, if, if a patient, you know, you have to make it a comfortable space and you have to build a trust a trusting relationship where if I ask you the way I word things is like on the diet recall I used to do, they would write like a donut and I would be like, Oh, how many donuts did you eat versus me thinking it was one? It gives you the opportunity to tell me you had two. So it's the way you kind of phrase it. You know, you kind of have to build a trusting relationship with the patient. And I think that's where the honesty comes And Really? I, I, there has been times where I've told patients, you know, if you're not going to be honest with me, I can't really help you. Mm-hmm. And I think there's actually two parts to that. Like one is, yes, being honest. And two is the patients might actually not know how much they're eating. And right. so it's not an intentional lie sometimes. It's just, you know, the snacking that you didn't realize, oh, yeah, actually it was two donuts, et cetera. And so I know something that you would do a lot is actually like food diarying or asking yeah. people to record um, how much they're eating, which I've tried to do before. It's very, very difficult hard. because I think I get angry at... <laughs> I think that's part of the point when I'm writing down those three donuts. I'm like, man, and then I just I kind of stop diarying. So tell us about like how important that is for the for patients or not, and and for you as a dietitian to but, but diary. Don't mention donuts anymore, Jeremy. <laughs> you always give me all, some but now little. I'm totally screwed up. You always tell me one little thing on every podcast I can't well, say. No, now saying, this is gonna be I, all I, I want to talk of our about. Donut challenge. Yeah, <laughs> I think of my glazed buttermilk donuts. You don't want me to say because you're getting hungry. Oh, that's funny. I'm not getting hungry, but I'm getting yearning for a donut. Okay, oh got it. Okay, so food diarying, aka you know donut. Don't be diary. so sensitive. <laughs> I, you know I love you. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I do think that keeping a food log has its place, right? I don't ask every patient to do that because it's it's taxing on them. Um, it's kind of I, like I don't walk in and ask everybody. Typically, like when I would meet with somebody, I would ask them for a recall just so I had a place to start, right? So you can kind of see what's going on. But I wouldn't ask everybody to do a diary. Um, so recall I, just mean like, tell me what you ate yesterday. Yeah, and it was like a 24 hour. So like yesterday and you'd kind of write it down just to give me an idea of where to start with somebody. Um, I do think diaries can be very powerful if a patient is open to them because like you said, it just makes you more aware of what you're doing. A lot of us, including myself, we forget all the snacks we eat. Right. And then when you write it down, you're like, oh, my God, I didn't realize I was eating like four different snacks or I ate a cookie in the kitchen here. And then I had a handful of nuts and then I had a little bag of chips like but I'm trying to lose weight. And that's like an extra at 300 calories. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a powerful tool. And I think that there are a lot of trackers out there that are a good place. If you're struggling and you don't know where to start and you're at the point where you're like, I've made these changes. I'm going to the gym. I've I've stopped eating the do the donuts. <laughs> I've stopped having all these cookies. <laughs> Why am I not losing weight? One of the things I, I recommend doing is keeping a track, like a log or a tracker from an app because it's a powerful tool because then you see like, oh, wow. You know, well, I, I, name one app just for our listeners. Yeah, so there's one I like called Fujicate. A lot of people use Fitness Pal as another oh. popular one. Even good old pen and paper works. It's just a matter of you being aware and really seeing like, okay, well, I thought I was having soda only once a week, but I'm actually having soda twice, three times a week. Or wow, I'm eating out much more often than I thought I was, and I'm probably getting a lot of extra calories from there. It's mm -hmm. a strong behavior modification 100%. technique. Because you go to write it down, you go, I don't really need this. Yeah. And you don't want to write it down, but it, it is hard to do. It's it's yes. like diabetes, write down your blood sugars, you know, and who likes to document those, especially yeah. the bad numbers? No, and that's why I say it's not usually something I go to in the beginning. It's when I hear somebody say they've hit a roadblock. It's a tool to use for me at that point because then it lets you see kind of you you figure out what it is that, you, you know, you can work on yourself, really. And it's it's powerful because you're coming to that conclusion as a patient. And um, it just kind of lets you see like, well, I've made all these changes, but wow, there's there are still these areas that I need to improve. That's what's keeping me from losing weight or getting good blood sugars in the morning. So I would say, you know, one of the fears people have when they see a dietitian is, or their providers is they're just going to tell me to stop eating or yeah. eat less. And obviously that's not something you say you do a lot of, you know, substitution or kind of changes or improvements. So are there certain things that always jump out to you that the, like, these are like the real high payoff things that if we could substitute here that you find yourself saying to, to multiple people? Yes. Um, I would really say that, what you said was true that sometimes people come in with this mentality that I'm going to give them my, my thing that I always hear is tell me what I can and cannot eat always. Mm -hmm. That's like the number one thing. And I, and I, my always answer is there is no list of things that you can and cannot eat. You can eat everything in moderation, just like anybody else who doesn't have diabetes. There's not specific things you cannot enjoy in your diet. And it was always that for me, they would get this, like you would see a breath mm -hmm. like, oh God, she's not going to tell me I can't eat. Thank, thank goodness she's not going to tell me that I can't eat this. And I would tell the patient like, tell me some foods you like to eat. And they would say things like, oh, I like to eat. We were talking about Mexican food earlier, right? And I'd be like, you can still enjoy that. How about though, instead of the rice, the, the beans and the enchilada, you take out on the rice and you have a little side salad or some cut up cucumber substitute that out but you can still enjoy the rest of your meal still go out to eat with your family you know what do you think about that mm -hmm. i think that's that's a great message 
that we talked about during our TCYD Live that according to your ethnic and personal preferences, it might be quite different from person to person. And there's no reason why you cannot stick to those, but just make some modifications along the way. And of course, I'm a big believer in the statement, you know, we, we are not what we, we are, how much we eat. And any way you can reduce portion size and still be satisfied with what you're eating, right. maybe substitute more uh, non-starchy vegetables, as I learned uh, from you recently, <laughs> and salads to fill up. But, you know, I think people, uh, every, every culture has a ton of carbs. I don't care what right. type of diet you're looking at. And if you can substitute that with more protein, which can reduce the appetite, which I've learned from you, um, that's not a bad way to go. And it doesn't wreck your blood sugars as badly or as quickly as rapid absorb carbs. Right. It'll keep you full longer. And so, right. I, I really think with any type of eating style that you have, whether it's based on your family or your ethnicity, whatever it is, you can really modify it to still be enjoyable, but be less calories or less carbs. Whatever your goal is, you can find a way to modify that. And how often do you have or recommend or like when a family member comes? Like how important is getting uh, the spouse, significant other, family, like on board with whatever you know, dietary plan there is. Yeah. I definitely think that when I would meet with patients who would come with their partners, it was always very helpful because the partner was was listening and taking it in as well. And many times I say to patients, this can be a good change for you and your entire family. You can be a good example for your kids, for everybody else in your family. So I definitely think it's good to have your partner there with you so they can understand and hear and ask the questions that they may or may not have. Like a lot of the times when I would have a male come in, sometimes they would bring their partner and who, you know, sometimes it was whoever's doing the cooking is always good to have there, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it also keeps your your patient a little bit more truthful. Right, that's I should true, say more say. Remem remembering things better. It's right. probably nicer to say. You know, because, right. yeah, I remember hearing all the time, well, she does the cooking, I just eat what she makes, right. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. full-fledged kind of, fights. And then yeah. they kind of put the blame on, well, I'm not cooking, so I just do what they give me to eat, right? And that's a common thing I would hear people say, too. Like, oh, I'm just, I just, I need my kids to eat, for example, and they like eating chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese, and my response would be like, that's fine, you can have that too, but instead of having three cups of macaroni, maybe try to do two and then a bag of ha have a bag of salad in your fridge that you can just open up. Not to create more work for yourself, but just so you can eat a little bit still with your kids. You're not cooking something extra, but you're just making it a little bit healthier for yourself by reducing the portion of the mac and cheese. Yeah, you know, um, my significant other, Jamie, uh, she is not a big vegetable eater. And she she likes mac and cheese pizza. Here we go. Hope she's not listening. Yeah. You know what? Um, she sometimes listens to the beginning. But, but I have on my phone an app, the limited number of vegetables and fruits that she likes. It's right on there. And I, and I go out of my way to buy them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she eats them. Sometimes yeah. she doesn't. This is but, the Jamie app? No, it's, it's, just, it sounds it's, a, like the, it's a folder. It sounds like the notes section yeah, on your No, phone. you're right. That's yeah. right. Did okay. I make it sound like an app? Yeah, I think you okay. downloaded it. No, no, no. I just made a notes section. And uh, so I try to help her that way. But she comes from the Midwest, her family, basic foods, and her mother did all the, all the cooking and wasn't very adventurous. And the whole family doesn't eat vegetables or fish or fruit. They love just solids, meat. Put, put the positive spin on it now, so. Yeah, but they're all extremely healthy. <laughs> None of them have diabetes. None are overweight. So uh, she does have good genes. To make a long story short, you know, I think uh, I was following up on your comment. You know, you got to find uh, what you like over the long term. 
and your spouse or whoever's or your partner, whoever's doing the cooking, can do it together. And you're right. You've said this so many times. You know, uh, what is a diabetic diet? It's something everybody should be on. Now, I'll just I'll mention too that again, one of the best videos that I think we've done is uh, Steve and I going to the grocery store and actually filmed Steve and I, you know, pushing around the 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 carts. We had little GoPros on the carts, picking out things that we normally eat. And I'll be the first to tell you that I'm not a cook, you know, so this is very kind of practical things that I would actually eat. And then Steve and I, you know, came together and showed what we picked for things and had Adriana, our guest today, watch later and comment on our selection. So that's a very good video. It's on our video vault. It's under kind of the nutrition tab. And I mentioned that because everything that we're talking about is not just for people that, you know, want to lose weight or even for people with diabetes per se. It's really for everybody. Um, and so you have to kind of have your own strategies that fit with, you know, how much you cook, your ethnic, you know, uh, preferences, et cetera. And that's why I really like that, that video because it was, you know, we're not perfect. There were some things in those carts that were not ideal. Um, pizza was one as an, as an example. But how do you make that as, as healthy as possible, et cetera? Yeah, you love Ritz crackers. I love Ritz crackers. And it's like on the list of the world's worst foods because it's lard and calories. But Jeremy, I remember clearly from that video that you make stir fry once in a while. Mm -hmm. And your point was you bought a bag of uh, chopped up vegetables Mm -hmm. to make it easy, just fling Mm -hmm. it in the Mm -hmm. pan. And, um, you know, and you never invited me over for, to have mm-hmm. dinner, but I think with your life now, it's being so crazy busy, uh, you know, you, you got to really do things that'll save yeah. time. You know, patients sometimes come in with the perception of eating healthy means it's going to eat, take me more time, or I'm going to have to eat a lot of only organic foods or be chopping and cooking all the time. And that's really not true. I'm definitely a fan and live my true life to the sense of simplicity, right? Like you know, buying things that are chopped up already, frozen vegetables are good, and that just makes things more in, in, in realistic, and it's just kind of how life is sometimes, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned the word organic. So do you shop at Whole Paycheck, <laughs> and do you believe in um, a lot of the organic, non-organic hype out there? I mean, for me personally, I think that I buy certain things organic and other things I don't feel are as important. But for me, that's not my primary focus. Honestly, like for me, it's just like trying to eat balance. Like I'm talking about with everybody can be hard with, with working full time and having a family. It is hard. So for me, my focus isn't always fall on that. Um, When I go to the grocery store, I do try to pick up certain things that are organic versus others. But um, no, for me, that's not, I think it's good to try and limit the amount of chemicals that you have in your food. But for me, that's not a primary focus and it doesn't necessarily mean organic that it's necessarily any healthier either, which is sometimes the perception patients will have that because they're eating something organic that it's healthier or has less calories. And that's not true. Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but we did a podcast with Mimi Guarneri interventional cardiologist that's in integrative medicine. She was just real practical and she gave a list of foods that it may be important to buy organic and a list of foods it made no difference. Yeah. I think it's a dirty like a dirty dozen list is what maybe Yeah, you can probably find that online. Yeah. I was at Whole Foods and they they put a sticker that said organic on a can of green beans. Does that make any sense? <laughs> I mean it it could be, but that's what I'm saying. Like the organic thing kind of can become really expensive and some, sometimes unnecessary, right? But it just depends on what your preference is, right? I do know that there are people that only eat things that are organic and clean and out of their garden. And if that's your preference, that's wonderful. If that it's able to be a part of your life, that's great. Organic so, donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they have them. So, I'm sure they do. You know, if we say, okay, there's no diabetic diet, you're working with people 
on making substitutions, et cetera. So then probably a natural next question is, okay, well, what about these known diets of low carb, of mm -hmm. keto, of intermittent fasting? How often do you kind of prescribe those, if you will, or do you never and just kind of see if somebody comes and asks you about it? When do you kind of go those routes? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So for me, I typically won't bring it up to a patient unless they bring it up to me because I, my whole thing is preaching that there isn't, like I said, one diet that fits everybody. And if I told all my patients like, Oh, you should do intermittent fasting, mm -hmm. you know, that I think for example, intermittent fasting ha can have a lot of benefits. And I like that the diet isn't necessarily restricting what you're eating, but it doesn't fit everybody's lifestyle. So I do, for me, I would have patients kind of just tell me what their goals were. Then I would t um, ask them, about what they normally eat. And then from there we would work on modifications. So like keto is a hot topic always too, right? Mm -hmm. I would, patients would usually say, what do you think? Should I do keto? And I would tell them, you know, keto is a very high fat diet. It's not something I recommend in the long term. It can cause issues with heart health possibly in the future. Why do you want to try a keto diet? And then the patient would say, I want to lose weight. I want to get my blood sugars in control. Well, you know, sometimes I would suggest doing almost like a modified keto where if you notice that you were waking up with really high numbers or going to bed with very high numbers, just doing maybe a lower carb dinner, right? Mm -hmm. And that could be like you fitting it into your lifestyle really instead of following the full-fledged keto diet, right? Or full-fledged Mediterranean diet or full-fledged gluten-free or whatever they're asking about. Mm -hmm. I fast between breakfast and lunch and lunch and dinner almost every day. <laughs> um, you know, one of our most popular podcasts was by one of our colleagues, Dr. Pritika, uh, and it was on intermittent fasting, mm -hmm. and uh, she really breaks it down into practical ways uh, that you can apply it to your own personal preferences. Some people feel like if they don't have breakfast or something to eat every f four to five hours, something, then they just they don't feel very good and they overeat later on. So it's just an individual thing. And uh, but the intermittent fasting. Like you said, it's not restrictive. And I don't think being a person with diabetes, you don't like that word. You know, it's like giving someone an ultimatum. Now, so speaking of carbs, low carb, um, how much carb counting do you do with people? And do you find that there's effective, easy ways to do it? Do you really try to get people to be very precise, especially people on insulin? If so, are there apps that you recommend? Or how do you help people carb count? To be honest, we actually did a recent video on this where Steve and I had a guest carb counts on meals we were surprised with. And Ike's sandwich, for example, like this, this chain that we were off by like it was like 160 grams of carbs in it. We both guessed like 60 or something like that. Yeah, we so did all different types of food. Even amazing, knowledgeable experts like Steve and I can be like way <laughs> off. Right. So how do you how do you help people with that? Yeah, carb counting could definitely be, I always say, it can be a hard skill to master and it takes time. And really because most of us are kind of creatures of habit, once you learn how much carbs are in a, a cup of potatoes, because you eat potatoes often, you're going to remember and you won't have to look it up. But in the beginning, I tell patients, it's going to take some time to learn. It's a new skill, just like with other skills. Um, I suggest using Calorie King is one of my favorite apps that's out there and it's easy to use. It has, it gives you information for restaurants. Like you can look up things like donuts, Denny's on there, right? You can look Pizza Hut up and they also have regular foods. Like you could look up strawberries and um, you can find things like rice, the carb count there. So that's where I would usually steer patients to. And I would tell them, 
in the beginning to maybe if they're kind of some patients tend to stick some people in general kind of eat you know like I mentioned certain foods so I would suggest that they kept track on their phone in a in like a in like a little kind of like you do with uh how you do Steve with your with your partner you keep like a little notepad right yeah, yeah. and you would write on there maybe the sandwich that you already looked up one time at this restaurant you would re- look up the carbs was 130. Now, when you eat there, you already know because you have mm-hmm. it in your notepad app. Yeah. So if it's something you frequent, eat, frequently eat, like most of us at restaurants, think about on the menu, you probably eat two to three things at that restaurant and that's probably it, uh-huh. right? Well, that sub place, what was the name of the sandwich? It's called a menage a trois. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> and, and, yeah, at Ike's, right? Yeah. It's kind of like a Subway place. Right, right. And um, when you look at the food labels, you just realize that the sauce they put on is sauce, 400 right? calories. Right. So a lot of the times, if if you're going to do carb counting, a good place to start is kind of looking foods up from restaurants because oh, there's a lot of hidden carbohydrates and calories in those foods. But really with carb counting, I would say starting out by downloading an application that you find helpful doesn't have to be calorie king, right? And really kind of start looking at your like one cup, how, how much is one cup? You don't carry a measuring cup with you everywhere, right? It's mm-hmm. like the size of a baseball. So finding visualization so you can kind of, when you're sitting there looking at your plate, you can be like, okay, this is probably like two baseballs of rice. Well, I thought it was a beach ball. No. <laughs> well, you can always download the Jamie app, which has like a list of uh, <laughs> Jamie's favorite foods on it. Um, you know, I always tell people with carb counting that, you know, I don't really like formally carb count. And I don't think you do either, Steve, where you sit down, and you're like, that's 38 grams of carbs. You do some kind of, right. you know, association in your head, like you said, like, oh, I've had this sandwich before or whatever, kind of enter something in the ballpark in my pump. But I find that patients are like very guilty about that a lot of times. Oh, I don't carb count. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, no, even for me now that I train patients on pump, on a pump now, I, I have patients who have had diabetes a really long time, have really good control, and when you have to put your carbs in, they kind of stare at me, and they're like, oh, God, I have to start putting my carbs in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you've been carb counting probably your this whole time you've had diabetes. You've had this great control. Now you're just putting a number to it and putting it in a system that's yeah. going to make it easier for you. Mm-hmm. But it is a change of mindset for sure. But um it's interesting. And, and, and I tell patients, it's not, you're not going to be perfect at it, yeah. right? Even us dietitians are not perfect at it, but it's something that you're going to work on. And because you're a creature of habit, you're going to be like, oh, I already know this meal isn't, you know, 80 grams of carb. Like I've eaten it so many times. I know. You know, with, with people with type two that are not on insulin, you know, they, they most likely will have weight problems and I have them focus in on the total calories. Mm-hmm. And of course, pay attention to the portion size. Cause if you don't do that, you know, you're looking at a pretty low calorie count and they say, oh, it's this, you know, per one half a portion, you know, and it's really small, but with type ones, we're always taught to do our insulin dose based on the carbs. Right. Now, Jeremy, I won't, maybe you can help answer this, that, you know, people forget about protein and fat and how that affects the blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. That it obviously affects the blood sugars usually later, two or three hours later. You eat pizza, great example, your blood sugars are fine for two or three hours and then they go through the roof. We did the pizza challenge right. where Steve and I both had to eat three pieces of pizza. I crushed Steve as I've done. <laughs> My record is 4-0. Um, and so it's great. So, Adriana, I think... Um, the other thing I think about when I think seeing a dietitian is your little plastic food models. You know, your little plastic scoop of rice, your, like, your little plastic yeah. egg. How often do you use those? Are those still around? Are those helpful? You know, I was definitely, I had some of those and I, I think it's a good visual because it would shock people when you would show them what one cup of something would look like. Because they, peop, a lot of people don't, they think it was the most interesting thing for me was when I would write on the recalls and people would write on there like dinner, rice, 
um, I don't know, beans and chicken. And then I would say, how much rice did you eat? And they're like, just a little bit. And then I would I would show them my measuring cup to get an estimation, right? Because I would figure out how much carbs they were eating. And they'd be like, oh, uh, I probably had two of those. And that's two cups of rice. That's 90 grams of carb. When mm-hmm. this person might have thought they were eating one cup. And frequently, sometimes they would write one cup. And then I would show them. And they're like, actually, I probably had one and a half to two. Mm-hmm. So... I always found that really interesting, kind of this like portion distortion right. that a lot of us have. So I, like I think that. the food models, yeah, portion distortion. I think the food models. I think the food models just bring you back to reality. Of, and oh not my to gosh, like shame know? them, like oh you ate two cups, right? Just just knowing what they're actually it, eating. Exactly, because yeah. if you're carb counting for your carb ratio or for a pump, you need to make sure you're not putting forty five. You're actually putting ninety if mm-hmm. that's what you're consuming. So there's no shame in it. It's just a matter of actually you know, carb counting correctly if it's going to affect your insulin dose. Right. Right. Um, but that was always kind of not funny to me, but always, it would happen all frequently. Like, Oh, I had a little bit. And then you show them and they're like, Oh, actually, no, I, I probably had more than I thought. But the food models I think have their place to really just show people kind of what a serving looks like. Cause I think we forget now. So maybe rapid fire questions that come up frequently is, you know, what's the deal with artificial sweeteners, diet Cokes or like whatever Splenda's are those okay? Yeah, that's a good question and comes up a lot. Artificial sweeteners have a lot of kind of a bad reputation and there's a lot of kind of mystery and debate between behind them. Um, I would say that they're safe to consume and they're definitely going to be more friendly, obviously, for blood sugars versus something like a regular soda versus a diet. Um, the FDA has deemed them as safe and there's different levels based on your body weight. Uh, Steve and I did this. Was it a video? Yeah, it, it was a, a while ago? dose of Dr. E. Yeah. yeah. We talked about it a little bit more. If you're somebody who's concerned about these artificial sweeteners, there are some natural lower calorie sweeteners that are out there as well on the market that you can consider trying. Um, (laughs) Some of them, you know, I think over time they've evolved some of the aftertaste that people were complaining of. So like, I forget the name of this one I tried recently in my office in in my coffee and it was actually much, much better than the first time I had tried it. So he's been slowly stealing Splenda from Starbucks over the last decade. <laughs> Any <or so>. place. <laughs> and they do actually Starbucks. have like a Splenda Naturals that's a little bit more, I think it's not as like processed and has some of the natural yeah. parts of like the monk fruit or something yeah. in it. So yeah, I, there's a variety for everybody out there. Well, I wrote an article called Confessions of a Splenda Thief. It's in our <laughs> archives. I got a couple of hate emails, but other than that, most people liked it. Because I always say that Five packets of Splenda are built into the price of a coffee. Which I asked, is that true? And you said, no. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I don't know. (laughs) All right. So, yes, I agree. And it's certainly when it comes down to a Diet Coke versus a regular Coke, of course, the Diet Coke's going to mean zero calories and and zero carbs. I drink a ton of diet soda. Um, Okay. So, that's one topic. What about meal replacements in general? Whether they be liquids like insurers or kind of a healthy choice meal, how effective or not are those? I think that meal replacements have their place. Um, like things like Ensure and Glucerna can be good if you use them in the right way. Mm-hmm. I've had patients come in to see me and they, they feel that they need to drink Glucerna or Ensure because they have diabetes. And I'm always like, no, you mm-hmm. don't have to drink that. You can use it as a meal. Like if you're running out of the house and you're busy, you can grab one of those products and kind of run out the door with your Glucerna and that's definitely a better choice than stopping and getting something through a drive-thru, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think also if you're working on weight loss and you've already struggled with it for a while, 
sometimes at the end of the road, I'll kind of recommend my patients do one of those shakes or one of those tiny kind of meals, which is kind of like like a lean cuisine is similar to doing something like I'm trying to think of the name of that frozen meal program that people used to do a lot. What was the name of that one? Um, Did that be delivered or? N- no, not like one of those HelloFresh, but. Oh, yeah. There was this, I can't think of the name. It wasn't Weight Watchers, obviously, but there was this there was this program that would give send people meals and they were basically like little healthy choices because they're portion controlled, mm-hmm. right? So I do think that those things have their place. Meals on wheels. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's a great program for people who need it. But no, I'm thinking of something else, but I think that those have their place depending on how you use it, right? If you're eating two or three of those, then you're mm-hmm. you're undoing the purpose of it. But if you're having that and then you're having a, like a yogurt as your quick, you know, pretty healthy-ish dinner, that's a pretty good choice versus going out to get Chinese food takeout. You know, Jeremy... Um, you know, you, you bring up a great point on what, what can you eat, you know, when you're, when you're on the run. I think for me personally, it's just, it's individual. I don't, it doesn't uh, affect my hunger at all. Drinking something. I need to actually chew and eat on something. And I'm, I'm into the uh, low calorie uh, fit something. Dan and makes it a yogurt. That's 80 calories. Light and fit, the Dan and Greek light and fit. That's it. That's it. Light and fit. And they have all great flavors. They even had pumpkin flavor during Mm -hmm. Halloween. I know. I have had that one. It was good. (laughs) It's 80 calories if you think about it. Very low carbs. And you can eat eat two and that's... uh, it's a good way to fill up and you can eat it quickly. You could take it with you. So, but that once again, you have to light yogurt. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just thinking you have your confessions of a Splenda thief. My confession (laughs) is... um, I love fast food and particularly McDonald's and Steve always makes fun of me. And I think that is like the emblematic thing of like something bad, you know, for somebody with diabetes. So is all fast food bad? Are there things that you can eat at a McDonald's or what do you tell somebody if they're like, you know, I just, I want to go to McDonald's every day. Yeah. So I would ask them what they get there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I would tell them, you know, consider maybe if you want to eat the fries, then take the bun off of your hamburger. Right. Or the kind of finding a balance in a sense. Right. Or if you're going there frequently and you're looking to eat a little healthier, maybe just reducing the times that you you visit that there. But I think you can still make healthier choices, even at fast food places. A lot of places also serve things like salads. Right. I think even McDonald's Mm -hmm. has like a side salad now. But it's it's okay to indulge on those things here and there. Right. It's a part of life. And I think if you wanted to go and have yourself a regular hamburger and fries, like go for a walk afterwards, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe for that day for dinner, have a salad. Don't eat anything else that's going to be heavier. So there's ways to kind of balance that out. Yeah. You know, Jeremy, the reason I laugh is because I know you hate fish. And what do you order at McDonald's? Fish filet. Yeah. Extra tartar sauce. The secret is you have to order some kind of modification on everything because then they have to make it fresh, especially the fish fillets, which nobody orders. You don't want one that's been sitting there for like a week. And plus, I like tartar sauce. But the Diet Cokes at McDonald's are freaking fantastic. And they have some big straws. Oh, so good. Yeah, but you think about it like, you know, I don't know about the rest of the country, but Pollo Loco is basically roasted chicken. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you take your kids there, Jeremy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You took me there, too, with them. And, uh, you know, that's not a bad choice at all. And uh, so I think I love fast food better than anybody. You know, you go to, uh, you know, uh, Taco Bell. You can get some things on there that are not that bad. And Jeremy's other favorite drink is Diet Baja Blast. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a caffeine supercharged, (laughs) you know, Mountain Dew. And they uh, only serve it there. I think you showed me you can buy it in a can. Baja Blast Zero, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I think the point of this is, again, that Steve, you and I know a lot about diabetes. Um, we obviously are mindful of our health. But yes, we go to get fast food every yeah. once in a while. And it's about moderation, not doing it every day. And if you do go trying to make kind of healthier choices. Right. But for God's sakes, if there's something that you absolutely enjoy, try not to... The worst thing to do is go to McDonald's and get your thing and then be angry at yourself about right, it. Right, right. If you're going to eat it, you know, do it, but make some other compromise, maybe like you said, a walk, so you can freaking enjoy the thing right. that you're splurging on and then, you know, make some con- considerations on the back end, I guess. I always talk about this suggestion, which seems so straightforward, but we don't think about it. People eat too fast. And if you're sitting there gobbling up something that has a lot of calories, at least try to enjoy it. Uh, you know, if you're watching like a murder mystery and you, you like you're eating uh, subconsciously, right. and you don't, you don't remember what you eat. And I, my daughter, Karina, I might as well get, bring her in the podcast. She eats so freaking fast. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I learned to eat fast because she would eat hers first and then eat off my plate. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just a habit. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think but- with our culture too, cause we're so busy. Like right now we had lunch, we ate pretty quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we had to come do it. So it's just unfortunately the way sometimes it, it goes, but I definitely agree with what you're all saying. And I think, yeah, you should, if you want to have the burger and the fries, eat it. Yeah. Right. But like we said, just kind of do something later to compensate for it in a sense. But life, you got to enjoy, you got to eat things that you enjoy. So before we close out, Steve, you already mentioned your girlfriend, her eating habits, one of your daughters. <laughs> do you want to bring your other daughter into this one too? Or um, Yeah, she's a vegan. <laughs> so I don't eat with her. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I mentioned you too, so oh, yeah. don't leave you out. Uh, you know, my neighbor just moved in. My, Here we go. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's a total, one hundred percent plant based guy. Mm. Super nice guy, and his a lot of heart disease in his family. He just mm. decided he wanted to break the habit of dying young, and uh, he goes out of his way to cook healthy but delicious tasting uh, vegan food, and his kids are healthy, happy, and it's, it is a, it is a good way to go. But like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like trying to be a little bit more plant-based. I'm not going to be 100%, but right. there's some good choices there. And the bottom line is we can always learn about eating the foods we like that are as healthy as possible. For yeah, us. and one thing I'll just say real quick is that people would ask me, should I follow a vegan diet? And I'm like, well, vegan is great, but would you be able to follow something like that? And I would tell them, modify it, maybe make it like a meatless Monday for your family, for yourself. Right. So then all Monday, you don't, you know, you follow like a vegan diet it doesn't have to be all the time. Right. You can modify it to plant based or vegan or sometimes. Right. Or certain meals. Yeah. Vegan well, Monday. It reminds me again <laughs> of another video we did. So if you all are fans of The Office, there's a character named Kevin on The Office. And his thing is that he makes good chili. And so the actor that plays uh, Kevin actually made a chili cookbook. And Steve and I cooked some chili with him. Um, I don't know, this was around Christmas time and it's in the video vault. And so we have three different versions of chili and one is a, a vegetarian option. One is a low carb option. And, you know, we had another one kind of in between. So up, just yeah. again, something with chili that you and I both love, how you can modify it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so fun doing that with Kevin. He's he, Brian is his actual What name. you see is what you get with, with him. He's yeah. awesome. And, uh, what was nice about it was we did, we made the chili. Mm-hmm. And Eric, our our ultimate producer and director, videographer, and, and everything else, you know, he was able to cut down the time of it, and uh, it was easy to do. Yeah. One of them so was in a crock pot. My favorite yeah. was actually the scorpion 
breath, I think is what it was called. It was yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways, Adriana, we could talk about this topic literally for hours because it's so important, you know, for everybody with, with diabetes and everybody's chiming in wanting to hear about this. So hopefully this was helpful. Again, a lot of different things on the podcast and the video vault. Um, really enjoyed having you here. And thanks so much, Steve. Anything yeah, else you want to say? Yeah, thanks so much. Um, it was really nice to talk to you about donuts and, oh and all the important topics <laughs> no thank you everybody for listening and i hope that you know take the takeaway would be that really there is no perfect diet and just kind of look at what your goals are and think of how you can make modifications to your current eating style to help you reach those goals really and for our listeners what's your cell I, <laughs> I get enough people calling me steve for my pump okay thank you all right bye-bye